Welcome to our podcast, When Life Gives You Lemons. I'm Kevin Henry, and my partner in crime and wife is Palmy Henry. I have a rare disease known as spinal cell ataxia, which is a neuromuscular disease. This left me mobility challenge, as well as with a speech impediment and noise-induced anxiety. Living with these disabilities, we have created some helpful hints and life lessons that we'd like to share and that have made our life possible. We consider ourselves disability advocates and intend to spotlight some disability issues and things we find interesting that we frequently encounter when we're out and about. Hi, welcome to our podcast, When Life Gives You Lemons. Episode number six. And today we're going to be talking about people with hearing disabilities. As we take a deep dive into the um, disabilities uh, on the ADA, which is what, Kevin? The Americans with Disabilities Act. Roughly one quarter of our population is disabled. And I kind of think that includes people with temporary as well as permanent disabilities. But I'm just guessing. The ADA really just kind of gives examples of what may be considered disabled. And a lot of the examples and fixes that are they suggest are for mobility, deaf And blindness is not really addressed as much or as prominently. While researching this, we came upon some very interesting uh, information. I was never not familiar with that there was a deaf culture. Yeah, deaf culture is a little bit more permanent than our mobility disabled community and that Everybody is like different, whereas they're more similar and more defined. A lot of cases, they got out of their way to have special schools for deaf communities. Well, that's because they have most uh, deaf people uh, learn the um, sign language, which is the ASL or the BSL if you're in, in England. Just for the record, the uh, ASL, BSL, it's just like vocal languages. Everybody has one that's different. Based on the country, you mean? Yeah, if they're from America and use ASL, they can have problems in France because they don't speak the language. It's an A, it's an LSQ in the other European countries. I also think that we should support the deaf community. It's a little bit much to ask that we all learn ESL or BSL or what have you, but we should at least be able to recognize, like, if a person is in distress and ask for perhaps what sort of assistance they require. Perhaps also a good idea would be learning the difference between the signs for yes and no. So you could have a basic conversation. Well, I'm not 
it had to be real basic, but it would uh, probably lead to a lot less misunderstandings. So deaf people value the sign languages because they uh, this they feel that it allows them to communicate effectively and express themselves fully. Well, one of the things that you notice is typically when a deaf person signs, they also move their lips like they're saying the words. If they know what the words would be, if they've been deaf since birth, they may not know what the words are. That allows people in their community who read lips to augment the signing by the reading of their lips while they're having a discussion. The appreciation of the deaf history and heritage. Um, Deaf people have had a long and diverse history that spans across centuries and continents. They have contributed to various fields of education. Uh, knowledge, art, science, science, and society. They have also focused opposition, discrimination, and marginalism from the hearing majority. Deaf people celebrate their achievements and struggles and honor their leaders and role mo- uh, models. They also preserve and pass on their stories, legends, jokes, pr- poems, and other forms of literature through sign language. This uh, has created a sense of community, and and um, deaf people form a strong and supportive network that transcends geographical borders. They often meet at deaf clubs, schools, events, and online platforms to socialize, exchange information, and coordinate. They also are advocates for their rights and interests as a cultured minority. The... Uh cultured minority thing is this is something that they've been dealing with for quite some time. They've made adjustments, they've got their support teams, their family and their friends in place and they're resistant to try and adapt new Some are. Some are adapt. uh, resistance to advancements in hearing aids. Some of this uh, came about because we noticed that this season of the British Baking Show, one of the contestants is deaf and wears a cochlear implant. She has her own sign language interpreter as she receives instructions for the contest. Well, we... we while researching the deaf community, we came upon a definition of the concept of the deaf gain. Deaf gain is a, pos- is a positive view of deafness that focuses on the benefits and advantages that a deaf- deafness brings to the individual in society. It challenges and the medical model of deafness that sees it as a problem or a deficit that needs to be fixed or cured. Deaf gain re- recognizes the unique skills, ability, and perceptives of that de- deaf person with that has dis- developed a s- re- as a relate as a result of their deafness. For example, deaf people have enhanced visual awareness, spatial awareness, creativity, and passion and bilingualism. 
that's where it comes in where they resist against um, cochlear implants and stuff advancements because they feel that they there's nothing wrong they've achieved things from being deaf well it's also uh, very scary if you talk to a deaf person who suddenly is able to hear with a cochlear implant and uh, they're overwhelmed by the noise and they have our time distinguishing between what's noise and what is someone speaking just say for example if you go to a busy restaurant or a club it's hard to differentiate between the ambient noise you hear on the inside there and someone talking to you and I get that I really do so we've found while we were researching that there's several ways for people to learn um, ASL there was um, several options online there's universities there's schools there's free um, online courses for beginners, intermediate, and advanced um, learners. Before you go out there and look on the internet to learn ESL, I would highly recommend you get on a web page that is animated and shows you the motion of the sign because it's not just point like pointing at something. It's how you move your hands often. And they also differentiate between your dominant hand and your non-dominant hand. Some of these signs are two-handed. Uh, when you get into spelling a word, usually that's with one hand. Typically, people spell their names. That way... Uh, People using sign language know how to pronounce it, how to spell it. Okay, we've completed, I think we've talked a lot about the ASL. Let's talk about the implants. Okay, the cochlear implant differs from a hearing aid in that with the hearing aid, it really just pumps up the volume of this sound into your ear. The cochlear implant processes the sound and helps a person differentiate between ambient sound and speech directed to them. So they're not always overwhelmed by the sound. However, in some cases, they can be. I would invite you, uh, if you have not done had the opportunity to do so, watch some videos of people who got their cochlear implants and hear for the first time. If they're young enough and they're with their parents, and they're pretty much fearless and you can tell when these all of a sudden hear something because it's new to them. They look up like, okay, what's going on? And sometimes with a uh, 
person who's older and has been living with their deafness, they just plain get overwhelmed and scared. Let me explain a little bit about the um, surgery. It is a procedure that has involved placing an electronic device inside the inner ear to improve hearing. The surgery is usually done under general anesthesia, which means that you will, they would be asleep and would not feel any pain. The surgery, surgery typically takes about two hours, and here are the main steps of the surgery. The surgeon takes a small incision inside your ear and removes a small amount of bone to create a pocket for the implant. The surgeon inserts the implant under the skin and attaches it to the skull bone with screws and sutures. The surgeon drills its tiny hole in the cochlear, which is the spiral-shaped part of the inner ear, hence its name, that contains the hearing cells. The surgeon gently inserts the electrode array, which is a tiny wire with tiny electrodes, into the cochlear. The electrolytes will stimulate the hearing nerve and send sound signals to the brain. The surgeon tests the implant and electrodes array to make sure they are working properly, and the surgeon closes the incision and and, and covers it with a Band-Aid. After the surgery, you would stay in the hospital or clinic for a few hours or overnight, and you need to follow your doctor's instructions on how to care for your wound and prevent infection. There, you will usually need to schedule a follow-up for them to turn and activate your implant back on and adjust it. You'll also need to undergo hearing rehab, which involves training and therapy to help you learn how to hear and understand sounds with your implant. What a lot of people do, they get overwhelmed by the the noise of being able to hear with that, is when they get home or get into a relaxation area, an area where they feel safe, they turn it off so they can think more clearly without all the... Uh, New noise interfering with their thought process. Cochlear implants are the world's most successful medical prosthesis in that less than 0.2% of the recipients reject them and do not use them or fail fail rates needing reimplantment is around 0.15%. And I should also point out that most insurance covers it. Yes. So the uh, price is always going to be an issue, but it is covered by insurance to whatever degree your insurance covers things like that. It should be understood that the cochlear implants do not restore normal hearing but help people understand speech. Uh, you require speech therapy and rehab to understand the interpretation of these sounds. So it's not something, if you've lo- lost your hearing from birth, um, that happens immediately. You have to work with it, like Kevin said. Yeah, it's amazing how they, uh, once somebody has the implant done, they start with the implant off and then slowly turn the volume up on it 
so that they can tell by the person's reaction when they're hearing the sound. They just don't get overwhelmed right from the get-go. I think we've covered that. Let's talk about over-the-counter ear aids, or OTC. Okay, as I kind of touched on before, hearing aids are a little bit different in that they just take sound and magnify it into the ear canal. So it's for somebody that's hard of hearing, not deaf. Uh, Usually, yes. I guess all insurance and will have rules about what equipment applies to who, and that is also going to be inputted by an audiologist. So it's not, you should have some idea of if you're buying over the counter, what you're looking for, your audiologist should have an idea of the sort of Brands that are available that will help you. And uh, it says here that you need to have a, um, unless you're buying it strictly over the counter, um, for a more adaptable one or more advanced one, you would need a prescription and a hear and or a hearing test. Yeah, that's usually a requirement by the insurance can cover it. Uh, One thing I should say is that with cochlear implants, I'm seeing a lot of ads for a different style to what I'm used to seeing. Uh, Whereas before you could identify a cochlear implant by the apparatus sticking out of their skull and the hearing aid sort of thing in their ear. Uh, now it looks like uh, it's all basically either well disguised so you don't see the extra part or possibly all one part. Again, as technology progresses, it will become less invasive. Unfortunately, that will also mean initially more expensive and possibly will have uh, a lack of insurance support because they'll consider it too new to be non-experimental. So went over um, a lot of the information we found from our research. Um, We did find something fun. Um, Went on YouTube and found Miss Mojo's, and she does a list of the top 10 movies or and shows that represented they found represented the deaf community very accurately and also was played by a majority of the the actors were uh, deaf themselves that sounds great so number 10 they had quiet place and i we never i didn't watch it because i don't watch horror shows (laughs) but um it was about an alien that uh, any noise that um, was heard that could tell pe- tell the alien where you were. So, and this family that they, uh, or I guess the uh, core 
stars of the movie were kind of one step ahead of everybody else because one of their kids was deaf and they had learned ESL as a family to get by with just day-to-day living when this uh, unusual circumstance came out they just had to rely on uh, I think it was usually mom and dad to soundproof their living environment because obviously the deaf kid could not tell if noise was being made and uh they could communicate with each other via sign language. Number nine is an anime. It's called General Maya. Um, Not real familiar with that, and I don't think you've seen it either, have you, Kev? I usually don't watch anime, so... Number eight, they recognized Grey's Anatomy. Um, apparently, one of the seasons, there was a uh, deaf doctor, um, and, and they felt that she was very well represented and was a positive to the deaf community. Number seven was Coda, and it, the whole Ruby, Ruby's whole family was actually deaf um, and played by deaf uh, actors. Strictly Dancing, there was a deaf dancer. It's a um, British dancing reality show, and she actually placed very, very high up one, one number number one or two um, in the placement. And she said that she could hear the vibrations and she also uh, let her uh, partner lead her. Uh, fifth was the Miracle Worker, which I'm sure a lot of us know about. That was not played with deaf actors. Um, Patsy Duke was the um, child there and uh, it was a story of Helen Keller and it received an Oscar. Uh, There was a, number four is Switched by Birth. Number three was The Child of the Lesser God. Number two was Internals, which is a Marvel movie. um, And it uh, was listed as the first deaf hero. Um, Number one was The Silent Silent Child. And it was an older movie back in the... Um, 50s and 60s I'm not aware of it they also did honorable mention to The Walking Dead which the same actress that played in the internals as the deaf hero was also a deaf um, person in The Walking Dead so make sure you get with us next time and we'll see you then bye bye We are always looking to improve the podcast, so if you want to hear a specific topic discussed, drop us an email. Our contact information is listed on our website. It's www.whenlifegivesyoulemons.net.